Parenthood is a time of so much change for you and your baby. A little reliable information can go a long way towards making this new life a good life. I'm Jessica Rolfe, and this is My New Life, a Love Every Podcast. While the science aligns on what's healthy for a baby's brain development, when it comes to how to care for our babies, there's a seemingly endless supply of competing perspectives. Parents are swimming in advice on sleep, feeding, and parenting philosophies. In this season of the podcast, we aim to provide a variety of curated perspectives so you can make informed choices for your family. As the co-founder of an organic baby food company, I invested a lot of energy trying to get nutrients into my kids. One of Leland's favorite first foods was sardines. Babies and sardines are a messy combo. Bones, skin, mush, you get the idea. I felt like an outlier, but fast forward a few years and I saw a post on the hugely popular Solid Starts Instagram account recommending sardines as a first food. Solid Starts promotes baby-led weaning or finger foods first, and I am thrilled to sit down with founder Jenny Best on this episode. Hello, Jenny. It's so great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. So for listeners who aren't familiar with this method, what is baby-led weaning in a nutshell? Yeah. So the name kind of makes it confusing and more confusing than it needs to be. But baby led weaning is just starting solids with finger food. So we have a hashtag at Solid Starts called finger food first. And that's my attempt to just make this easier to wrap you know, our minds around. But it's just starting solids with a priority on self-feeding and finger foods. So instead of the traditional pouch or puree and spoon feeding, offering baby a variety of finger foods for them to pick up themselves, put it in their mouth and munch on. I've heard your personal story before and I'd love for everyone else to hear it and also hear the advantages, kind of what you discovered, the advantages of baby led weaning as an approach. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what baby led weaning was five years ago. Five years ago, I was a first time mom. I had no idea what I was doing really far away from my family, didn't really have any kind of immediate support. And when the time came around to start solids, I did what, you know, most people do. I went to the store and bought, you know, a pouch of some of puree, went home and cracked it open and started the feeding process. But about a minute, into that experience, I could tell my son, Charlie, didn't like it. And granted, it was probably like watery carrots, so it probably wasn't super tasty, but he didn't like the experience of me kind of like coming at him with a spoon. And he was turning his head and arching his back. And I had hoped it would be this really fun, you know, milestone that we were meeting. And, you know, to the contrary, it was this awful experience. And I felt like I had to almost like force feed it to him, right? So that, you know, long story short, after many, many weeks of me trying to get him to eat and 
doing the airplane move open wide, you know, coming in and that turned into my phone and videos and stories and dancing and like whatever we could do to just open your mouth, please. Really devolved for our family into this very stressful experience and one that was, you know, leading to a lot of tears and um, stress in my marriage as well. Frankly, we had different opinions on how we should, you know, handle the situation. But by the time Charlie turned one, so six months into this experience, he'd stopped eating altogether. Like he was like, nope, I am not doing this. No one's going to feed me and I'm not going to feed myself. And he just started withering away. At his one year checkup with our doctor, she was like, it's time to put him on a feeding pack. Like he's lost so much weight. We can't, you can't keep going down this path. I think you had gotten to below the first percentile at that point. And I felt like such a failure. You know, it was like the my one job as a mom seemed to me to be to feed my child and I I couldn't do it well and it was just this awful awful time. But I remember sitting in the doctor's office being like, just give me one more week. I can, I can reverse this. I can do this. Just please give me one more week. I had seen kids with those feeding packs on their bodies. It's basically tube feeding, right? And I really didn't want, you know, Charlie to have to deal with that. So in that week, I sought out the help of some feeding therapists and I talked to a lot of pediatric nutritionists and really we kind of diagnosed the problem as this, um, my way of controlling his eating experience through, you know, really prolonged spoon feeding and never really giving him the opportunity to kind of like reach out and grab the spoon and have a little bit of control of the experience himself. So fast forward four years, two years, sorry, just two years later, I was pregnant with the twins. And that was the first thing in my mind. I was like, I am not doing this again. I can't, I can't go through picky eating again. Like this is too hard. It's too hard. So I really fell into researching alternatives to um, spoon feeding and came across baby led weaning and fell really hard into researching that. Spoke to a lot of different experts about it, about the safety of it, and about the benefits of it, and decided, okay, this is what we're doing for the twins. I'm like, we're going to go whole hog baby led weaning, and we're just going to do the opposite of what I did before because what I did before didn't work. So let's try this. Two days into feeding the twins, their first couple of days of starting solids, it was like night and day. The babies were so happy. They were smashing the food and picking it up and gnawing on it and sucking on it. It was just like this. I remember looking at my husband like, wait, it can be this easy? (laughs) Like, really? It was so easy and fun. Um, So yeah, I mean, my my story is sort of our story. The story of Solid Starts was was born out of um, kind of a feeding experience gone gone bad with, with my firstborn. I'm just trying to help other parents avoid a path of picky eating and help them see the benefits of baby led weaning and in particular how to prevent picky eating. Oh, and it's just, it's so kind of sometimes against some of our instincts, you know, we want to like wipe them up. We like see this big mess. We see them having this like big sensory experience with the food and it is really hard to give them control. And sometimes, you know, you just want to like have a tidy experience where I'm feeding you, but I loved how you described that. And I think it's so real. I think for a lot of people, like we have to really shift our mindset when we think about, um, 
about that kind of shift of control from parent to child. Like they're really in charge of their, of their feeding experience. Totally. When I was feeding Charlie as a first time mom, my goal was just like, I'm going to get this kale pouch into his body. Like that was my goal. It was a hundred percent focused on nutrition and like literally getting him to eat. And when you really kind of step back and listen to that phrase, getting him to eat, you can kind of see like where that's going to end up, right? Like in the extreme. So we love as a team at Solid Starts trying to kind of shift the mindset of parents when they start solids to like really away from consumption, like really try not to worry about how much your baby is eating right now, because you've got the fallback of breast milk or formula for another six months, still their primary source of nutrition. Let's have some fun at the table again. It's really, you know, you've heard that phrase, probably food before one is just for fun. To a certain extent, we embrace that. And it's not the perfect phrase. Like you do want to focus on some nutrients and get some iron and all of that good stuff in. But to the extent we can kind of pull back away from consumption and that hyper, hyper focus on nutrition that many of us in the United States tend to have and focus again on the pleasure of learning how to eat, the skills required for chewing and swallowing, and my gosh, like hopefully just some fun around the table again, I think they actually end up eating more in the long term. I love this perspective and all of this sounds so good. And I want to get into a little bit of some of the challenges and the perception of the challenges. So with B, I did a mix of, you know, spoon feeding and pouches and snacks, and then also baby led weaning food, like finger foods, foods that were from the baby led weaning approach. And I just remember giving her, I think it was like some broccoli to suck on Mm -hmm. um, when she was a baby. And when they're having those first bites, it can be pretty vulnerable, (laughs) like as a parent. And I just remember seeing her gag and feeling this absolute wave of panic. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I think she later actually threw up and I think mm-hmm. it was so stressful. Can you talk to this? I think this is kind of the thing that's, that's the barrier for a lot of parents on really kind of going full finger food approach. So first of all, all babies gag hundred percent, even on purees. So a baby's gag reflex, and this is that like the tongue is sticking out. It's kind of a retching forward motion, right? They're, it's, it looks like they may be about to choke. They're not choking. It's just like, it's a gag. It's pushing it forward. That reflex is really sensitive in a young baby. So around six months of age, that reflex is very far forward on the tongue. So it's not all the way back near your tonsils. Like for us to gag on a piece of food, it has to kind of get pretty far back in our mouths to elicit that retching response, right? Um, But for a baby, if it just even touches like the first third of the tongue, like almost anything, a piece of rice is going to do that. A puree liquid will do that. Babies actually gag often on their own fingers um, or even breastfeeding sometimes. So gagging is a completely normal protective reflex. And our feeding therapist would tell you it's required in learning to eat. You know, it's one of the the things that we see the most is that when babies gag, they then learn, oh, I took too big of a bite. I now need to take a smaller bite. And that learning happens over repeat, you know, practice, right? It doesn't happen right away. Um, So all babies are going to gag. So buckle up parents because your baby's going to gag. They're going to gag a lot regardless of how you start solids. Um, And in fact, I, I, I have to share that 
the um, clinical experience of our feeding therapists is that the um, babies who uh, start with finger foods gag a little bit more at the beginning, but less overall over time. And babies who start with purees and spoon feeding will gag a little bit less at the beginning, but for a longer duration once they start um, finger foods. So the really important takeaway here is that baby's going to gag for sure, but it's not it, it's not a dangerous situation, right? Like gagging is a protective reflex. It's very powerful and it's really productive. So you don't even need to intervene. You can let it kind of do its work. Um, the the really kind of underbelly of this is that the gag reflex slowly desensitizes over time and moves further back in the throat. So if you are terrified of introducing finger foods and you wait until 12 months of age to do that, you have missed the window of that gag reflex kind of having your back as much as it would have, say, at six months of age, which is a really important thing when you think about it, because, you know, we want babies practicing with finger foods when that gag reflex is in play, super sensitive, super powerful, ready to have your back and help push any food forward that needs to be. If you wait too long, you're just missing that critical window. There, the gag reflex will always be there. It just moves further back in the mouth and becomes a little less sensitive. So our feeding therapists actually worry far more about the child who didn't have any opportunity or exposure to finger foods before like 10 months of age, for example, than a six-month-old with a spare rib. (laughs) Introducing solid foods in a way that's safe, promotes self-feeding, and delivers the best nutrients can be hard to do. It's so much easier with expert advice, a plan, and a printed guide to get everyone on the same page. The Food Before One Course Pack gives you everything you need to tap into the benefits of baby-led weaning, starting with purees. Set your child up for lifelong healthy eating habits and have fun doing it. Visit loveevery.com today to start the Food Before One Course Pack and see all the course packs we offer. I love it. I so appreciate you sharing. And I know you have this really extensive database of foods that are great yeah. for, for starting and different preparations and recommendations. It's been so of service. So thank you for that. What kinds of foods does your twins have when they first had those very first exposure to solids? The secret is that it really can be almost anything. And I I say that because the whole goal of this is to have baby eat what you're eating. Okay. Obviously you're not dousing it with soy sauce or, you know, doing sushi on before a certain age, but so we started out with, I think we had some salmon uh, for dinner that night and some pasta. And then earlier in the day, they had eggs. So they actually did three allergens in one day, which is like, oh my gosh, you did three allergens in one day. You know, it seems like hearsay, but the reality is, is that if your child is not at a high risk of allergies, and so the risk factors <clears throat> tend to be things like asthma and eczema or hay fever or strong family history would be a good indicator. Um, if your child's not at risk, 92% of your babies are not going to have an allergic reaction or any kind of allergy in their lifetime, okay? So that fear, again, has kind of taken over the process of what foods we introduce. And uh, the allergist on our team, we have an amazing allergist and immunologist, MD, uh, Sakina. 
takes a very like proactive approach with starting solids and allergens. Just like go right into it, go for it. If there's no risk factors, there's, you know, the benefit of your baby experiencing a wide variety of foods and getting the allergens early and often is greater than, than the risk basically. So we start out with salmon. Salmon is an amazing food for babies. It is super high in omega fatty acids. Nutritionally, you can't beat it. It gets five stars in our first foods database. And it's soft, you know, fish kind of naturally falls apart. So I I liked that as a new, a mom new to baby led weaning that kind of put my heart at ease. But also steamed broccoli can be really fun, especially if you leave it as like a huge florette and serve it upside down. So the stem is sticking up and they can then grab their fingers, kind of clench it around the stem and then put the florets in their mouth. Plus the little buds on broccoli really fascinate babies. And they're like, whoa, this is so cool. And that's just really fun to watch. Um, but some of my favorite first foods for babies, you know, you've got the avocado. It's so nutritional, uh, so nutritional, um, but also just like super soft and easy. You could mash it and put it on a spoon or offer a spear. Either way is fine. I love doing both at the same time, like putting some on a spoon and some handheld and just letting the baby kind of toggle back and forth. And eggs. Eggs are fantastic for babies. They're a complete nutrition. They offer almost every nutrient uh, your child is going to need. And you can cook it in an omelet and cut that into a strip the size of about two fingers held together, um, sort of like a rectangular strip. And then they can grab that with their fists and kind of munch on it. So, um, you know, there are perfect foods when it comes to nutrition, but they're is no totally perfect food when it comes to baby lead weaning. I will say a like second, you know, maybe all-star food is a mango pit because we love the the input that it gives to the mouth, the the fact that a baby can't bite through it, I think often sets parents, puts their mind more at ease. And it's just phenomenal for jaw strength. So you can kind of take most of the flesh off of a mango and just hand your child, your baby, the the pit itself and let them suck and munch on um, the fruit off of that. So that's fantastic for facilitating oral development because they're going to tear and chomp and put a lot of pressure on that pit, but they won't be able to bite through it. So it's safe. I find it so interesting because we're talking about nutrition and and I totally remember, you know, my baby having salmon for in those early, early bites. I mean, it is, they are not ingesting food. I mean, <laughs> like I, they are not, that is not, you know, the mic, maybe some micro components are going down with iron, you know, I really wanted to, you know, make sure that my baby was getting enough iron. We were doing all breastfed and after six months, yeah. you know, reserves can yeah. be depleted. And so I did do some spoon feeding of iron-based right. foods and then some finger foods. Like how should we think about actually the ingesting of food in those first few months of feeding? So look, it's it's kind of a both and situation. You know, we do want to offer foods that are high in iron in particular for the reasons you stated um, around six months of age, the stores of iron that your baby has stores um, of iron from uh, being in utero from the mother. And those start to get depleted around six months. So we want to start replacing that. Iron is a critical nutrient, like critical, critical. And that's why you hear doctors always talking about fortified rice cereal and this and that, because they want the iron going in. So focusing on nutritious foods that offer um, a lot of iron, iron is in kind of some sneaky places that you might not necessarily think about. So one of my favorite sources of iron is pumpkin seed butter. And it's great for plant-based uh, families too, because obviously iron is uh, harder to get through plants um, than it is through 
um, meat products, but, and also the body doesn't absorb plant-based iron as well, but I love pumpkin seed butter. You can thin it out with applesauce or breast milk or even water or yogurt. Um, and that's a fantastic way of getting some iron in. So we have, um, a list of like high iron foods on our website, but, um, there's, you know, classic like beans and lentils and things like that you can do um, early on. So yes, you want to focus on high iron foods and babies don't need as much as we think, truthfully. I think we're expecting them to, you know, take 10 bites and swallow this and that. But in reality, the needs of a six-month-old baby they don't actually need as much as we might think they need. So that's kind of one of the first kind of manage your expectation steps toward that. But more broadly, you know, our job as parents is to hopefully set our kids up on a path where they enjoy eating. They stop when they're full without really thinking about it, right? And they're not obsessive about it in any way. So, you know, when, when we when we talk to parents and we ask them, like, what do you want to accomplish here? Well, we want to raise happy eaters, right? Happy eaters, by the way, tend to eat more <laughs> than unhappy eaters. So, you know, like if you want your child to eat more, pressure them less. If you want your child to eat less, pressure them more. It's like a direct equation when it comes to picky eating and things like that. So when it comes to consumption and balancing that with learning to eat, we as a team love just trying to shift the mindset of focusing parents on the skills of learning to eat and really putting a stake in the sand at 12 months. At 12 months of age, your child should be eating mostly what you are eating when you are eating it. So ideally three meals a day with you, hopefully, you know, or with their caregiver, wherever they are, school, but eating three meals a day of solids and, um, you know, a couple of snacks, you might start working in there. But, you know, if you think about it, six months of age, like you're looking at a child, like, how am I going to get there? Like this baby, the food barely makes it to the mouth, you know, or it falls off the spoon before they get it to the mouth. Um, so it's a very gradual process, but we find that when parents shift their mindset and really focus on the skills of learning to eat rather than consumption, that not only does that child end up eating more because they're in control, they're having fun, it's less stressful of an experience than feeling like they need to be fed and you know have to consume a certain food for nutrition. It's more fun. Not only do they eat more, they're just like set up on this path to enjoy it for the rest of their life, which is a really beautiful thing. So I'm really trying to, you know, toot this horn of focus on the skills, focus on the pleasure, let it be fun again. We don't need to be doing airplanes into our kids' mouths. I love that. I was wondering, tell me more about about the recommended ages for starting this approach and starting foods, solid foods in general. Around six months of age, most babies are able to feed themselves finger food. So you can start with spoon feeding or purees or finger food or a combination of that. Um, and either is fine. One of the things we we see, one of the mistakes really that we see parents make is that um, when starting solids, they get so anxious 
for this fun time, like the first food and all of this. And baby's just not ready. And then they get into the high chair and then the bib is on, the whole production. And then baby's just like staring at the spoon or turning their head away from, you know, the the spoon coming at their mouth or just not reaching for the finger food on the tray at all. And that's sort of like this just deflating process for everyone and deflating experience, right? So from a safety perspective, we we want to be able to see them sit and have head control and be able to like reach for the spoon or reach for the finger food and bring it to their mouth. But from a more like emotional side of things, we really want the child to be ready and expressing some interest. So are they watching you eat and kind of tracking the food going to your mouth? Are they kind of smacking their lips a little bit when when you're eating and expressing that maybe they want to taste that too? Having a baby be truly ready for solids is really important important when it comes to preventing picky eating at an early, you know, some of the early stages when we talk about this, because if your child doesn't feel ready, they're going to perceive this as like a high pressure experience. They're sitting away from you in a high chair. They probably want to be sitting on your lap instead. You can kind of see how that can spiral down. So even just waiting one more week can make the biggest difference. And it sounds crazy, but like these babies are like, dramatically different people sometimes just 10 days later, right? Like there's so much growth and development happening in in that age. So six months is sort of the marker when most kids are ready, but a couple weeks before, a couple weeks after is completely normal too. So try to find the joy in all of it. Try to step out of the way when you can. If you are doing spoon feeding and purees exclusively, try to offer the spoon to your baby. Stop before putting that spoon in their mouth. Give baby a minute to reach for that and grab and bring it to their mouth. They're going to be so proud that they did. And that's just another little way of giving them some control and stepping out of the way. So the more you can let the child drive the experience of choosing the foods that they want to put in their mouth or reaching for the spoon, whatever that is, the more you can give them a little bit of independence at the table, the happier they're going to be. Jenny, it's been so fun talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We are just so excited about the work you're doing and anxious to get all these kids on a good path. Here are a few of Jenny's pointers if you're interested in trying finger foods first. Takeaway number one, the World Health Organization and Academy of Pediatrics recommends waiting until six months to start your baby on solids. At this age, most babies are able to self-feed. Signs of readiness include, are they able to sit up without toppling over? Do they have sufficient head control? And are they interested in the food? If your baby isn't ready, even a week can make a difference. So try again a little later. Takeaway number two, if your child is showing signs of picky eating, consider shifting some of the control to your child. Handing them the spoon or offering finger foods can give them a sense of autonomy. Even if most of the food doesn't make it into your child's mouth, you have formula or breast milk as a fallback. Try to focus less on how much your baby is eating and more on the skills and habits they are acquiring. The less pressure your child feels, the more enjoyable mealtime can be. Takeaway number three. The gag reflex is really sensitive in young babies and rests considerably more forward on the tongue than in adults. It's a reflex that is stronger at six months than at a year. This is a good thing. If you wait too long to introduce solids, your baby's first line of defense diminishes. 
Some common foods with which to introduce finger foods include omelets, salmon, pasta, and oatmeal. A mango pit is phenomenal for jaw strength. You can find more tips on feeding on the Love Every blog at loveevery.com. You've been listening to My New Life. If you think this episode might be helpful to a fellow parent, please share. And if you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in today's show, head over to loveevery.com. That's L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y.com. I'm Jessica Rolfe. Thanks for listening. Thank you.